everyone. Welcome to the Five Beer Plan. I'm Brian, and this is the ongoing saga of an everyman's ale trail. In this episode, I'll subscribe to some beers, return for the second half of my interview with Ben Wade from Albion Malleable Brewing in Albion, Michigan, and review Victory Wheat from Wellbeing Brewing out of Maryland Heights, Maryland. In this segment of Tales from the Trail, I'm going to discuss mail-order beer subscriptions. There are quite a number of them to choose from, and I'm embarrassed to say that I don't belong to any of them currently. They have names like Beer of the Month, The Original Craft Beer Club, Beer Drop, Craft Beer Kings, Beer Box, Craft Shack, Halftime Beverage, Tavor, Brewdog, The Brewery. All these have some sort of subscription option associated with them, and there are so many more out there that I'm not aware of. I'm sure of it. Some of them allow you to choose 3, 6, or 12-month subscriptions. There are sometimes choices for styles that you would like in your box. Others let you choose the individual beers you want in your box. There are so many options. Most of them come with tasting notes or some sort of a newsletter for the craft beer nerd in each of us. For some of the monthly boxes, the best deal seems to be the original Craft Beer Club. You get 12 beers for a little less than $50 a month, which also includes the shipping. This service sends three each of four different beers from two different breweries each month. The same goes for Beer of the Month. Craft Beer Drop sends two of each beer. As you know, the end goal of the Everyman is to try as many different beers as possible. I do have beer pals that I share with, but honestly, if I'm going to pay the premium for beer shipped to my door, I would be better off just continuing to go to my favorite bottle shop to buy my singles at a premium price. Of the aforementioned subscriptions I noted, I have used Tavor in the past. Hands down, my favorite beer subscription service. Tavor is what got me on the craft beer bandwagon back in 2017. Based in Seattle, Washington, they definitely tend to have a lot more beers than the West Coast for obvious reasons, but being in the Midwest, this was perfect for me. I love the app they have. Basically, you just kept an eye on available beers which were updated often and simply add them to your box. Popular beers would disappear quickly, so you had to check the app frequently. You controlled how many of each beer you wanted and when the shipment would arrive. At the time, it was a flat $14.90 fee to ship, which was a bargain. But that leads me to the downside of these subscription services. Not every state in the Union allows you to have beer shipped to your front door. And that's the sad tale of Tavor for me. I got an email one day saying something to the effect they could no longer ship to my state and I could continue to add beers up to the date it would be shipped. It's not the fault of the subscription service itself. Much of the problem has to do with the states and the distribution laws that they have. So before getting your hopes up and joining a beer club, be sure to look at the fine print for shipping. You too might be out of luck. And I want to give a big shout out to each of the beer clubs that replied in kind to my inquiries about the monthly content sent out. This week's Hop Hack is about being cheap. I hate to pay full price for a beer if I absolutely don't have to. So I'll scour the singles cooler at one of my local bottle shops trying to find that big beer that's been discounted because it's been on the shelf too long. Or I'll wait until after Christmas to buy that Belgian beer gift pack that nobody wanted under their tree for up to half the price. 
So when it comes to buying from online beer stores, I always will do a quick search on the internet to see whether or not there are coupons available. If I wanted to find a discount for Craft Shack, for example, I would just do a Google search and try a bunch of codes. You can also use one of those browser add-ons like Honey that automatically scans for coupon codes. To ease the pain of a flight delivery, I would say more times than not, I'll find a dollar or a percentage discount code that will work. At five or ten dollars, it may not sound like much, but with the rising costs of shipping anything, such a discount will offset or even eliminate the shipping depending on how much you order. Happy hunting! Now, it's time for Barstool Banter. This week, I'm returning to the small town of Albion, Michigan, to find out more about Albion Malibu Brewing from head brewer and co-owner Ben Wade. How many uh, beers do you have on tap at, at any given time there at the brewery? We have 10 taps. We keep looking at expanding that at some point, but for the size of the brewery that we are and for the drive to make sure that we're keeping fresh beer on, this has been a really good number for us. Um, it allows us to rotate things quickly enough that we're not having beer get old on tap. Um, it's really neat to go into some place and see a hundred beers on tap, but it's also true that you probably got a few of those that have been on tap for two years that aren't the best version of that beer that's being served anymore. So uh, we've, we've kept it sort of pretty focused and we tend to do about half or so five or six of those tend to be beers that we try to keep on all the time. Um, and the other, you know, four or so taps, we try to rotate seasonally or through, um, uh, you know, just kind of one-offs as we, as we do things sort of experimental to, to see what might be the next thing that we keep around or, or what we want to do with new hot varieties or anything else to kind of, to kind of play with and see, see how they, how they work for us. What's the biggest challenge you have uh, brewing with uh, the whole Belgian twist? For me, the biggest challenge I had was, was just sort of getting comfortable with what we were, right? There's, I think when you're open a business, there's a real desire to appeal to the customers, right? The customer's always right. But the reality of it is there's a hundred plus beer styles and we're never going to be able to brew them all. So, you know, we get the feedback from time to time that you guys should do more IPAs or, you know, why don't you have more big stouts on, I, you know, I love big, big stouts and you don't have enough dark beer. And, uh, I, you know, I love those styles too. It's just, it was the same realization we kind of had with the, with the food menu that, you know, we, we really wanted to do things to appeal to, you know, gluten-free or vegan or, you know, whatever else. And we, we just sort of realized as we got rolling that it just wasn't feasible for us with our size business to check all the boxes all the time. So we do rotate through, we try to, we try to touch some of those other styles, just touch some of those other things. But, you know, the, the challenge for me was just kind of getting comfortable with that. And, and uh, it, it really it really happened even just during our, our business plan writing. We were kind of sketching out what we thought we should have on tap, <laughs> um, you know, as, as part of our business plan. And we got to a point where we kind of had 10 beers written down and, and I was looking at them and felt almost depressed. So like, like, I'm not excited <laughs> about this. You know, it's not, not what I want to do. And, and uh, I, I kind of you know, crumbled the paper up and, and started hitting the homebrew thing again and just started taking my partner's stuff. And I was like, this is what I want to make. This is what, this is what we have. And, you know, when they tried the recipes that I'd been working on for years that I had sort of dialed in, you know, the conversation started, took a different turn that it's, it's better to be able to differentiate a little bit and kind of go your own way and not just feel like we have to have the brown ale and the stout and the IPA and the light beer, you know, and uh, I, I think it's, it's worked well for us. So probably it's taken them some time to realize that having Belgian beers is actually an okay thing. Yeah, well, and, and it's kind of funny because on, on one hand, being the first craft brewery in a, in a small town, we might've actually had more leverage to do things because people didn't, we didn't have an audience that had a, a, a lot of expectations and a lot of uh, experience with, with a lot of these different styles. So we were able to introduce from the beginning some things that, that were a little different. 
I actually kind of held back a little bit from the real, like true, like Abbey influence styles and stuff like that coming out of the gate, kind of trying to do some things that people would have some touch points to and, and be familiar with. It was 20, it might've been 2020. We first brewed, we have a, we have a series of beers we call our Iron Lion series. Um, and we actually source uh, malts and hops from uh, Belgian suppliers. Uh, we use uh, a strain that's more of an Abbey strain. And, and we have a blonde, double, triple quad and, and, a, and a bourbon quad as well that we do with those uh, ingredients. You know, we kind of introduced those a little later. And as soon as we let the blonde out, it was a, a huge hit. It became one of our best sellers instantly. Our second year with it, we actually entered our first uh, GABF, the, the Great American Beer Festival, and brought home silver medal and uh, French or Belgian style ale with that blonde in our first entry. So yeah, we, we seem to have a hidden sweet spot with that beer right out of the gate. And nice. I think that kind of getting that legitimacy sort of opened the doors and, and and cleared the way for us to be able to do more of those types of things. And people are, are giving us the benefit of the doubt, I think at this point, to, to let us do what we want to do. How big of a system do you have? For for the brew house, we have, we have a seven barrel system. We had, we started with four uh, seven barrel fermenters uh, to, to su- support that. Um, we added, last year, we added two 15 barrel uh, fermenters as well. So we were able to double batch in particular, a couple of our faster moving beers, we just weren't able to keep up with. And it was kind of a double whammy in, in that we had, we had introduced a Kolsch that was a huge hit, um, which is a little outside of our Belgian stuff, but still European, yeah. you know, that's the neighbor. Uh, but we, we really wanted a, a light beer, approachable beer uh, option, especially having really found footing as a, as a restaurant and, and attracting a lot of food people that weren't necessarily big beer people, having something that was very familiar to them as a 5% ABV yellow beer was uh, important um, and and it just it came out wonderful so it's been a really fun beer to have around even the blonde and these other iron lands at these higher alcohol levels I found that they're much better with a little bit of a lagering period so that was really putting the pinch on our on our seven barrels if all of a sudden we weren't able to turn it every two weeks we had to have four or five weeks in a, in a vessel that really was becoming a bottleneck now we do three beers at a 15 barrel scale we do the we do our K River Kolsch uh, we do the Iron Lion Blonde, um, and then more recently we added uh, Sneak Attack Vacation, which is a, a beer to garden um, that that we did as a special release a while back. It became one of our fastest sellouts, and uh, I, I was just extremely happy with the beer, and we wanted to keep it uh, keep it around, so we decided to scale it up and keep it on tap. All three of those were ones I had at the, at the brewery there. <laughs> Amazing. Your Kolsch, the K River Kolsch, is uh, definitely one of the best Kolsches I've had. Had a really unique flavor profile to it. Cheers yeah, we, on that. We use all, uh, back to the hops thing, we use all Michigan copper mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in that, which is uh, one of the Michigan proprietary hops. It's not grown in Yakima. It's only available here. Um, and it, it's not a hoppy beer, so there's not a lot of it. But there's a very, to me, I get a very distinct kind of fruit punch note for it. That's subtle, but it definitely comes through in a beer that light. You can You can pick it up. Yeah. What is your favorite style of beer? Um, well, again, that's that's another tricky one. That's that kind of rotates with it. it honestly, I, I love the pairings between food and beer. Uh, so, so for me, it's very food dependent on on what I like. My my overall kind of go to for a lot of those are saisons. They're very great food beers. There's a lot of range within that style, from you know strong, dry, crisp beers to easy drinking session beers that really kind of cover a lot of ground. And to me, they're just you know they're they're dry, they're crisp, they're refreshing. Uh, they're they're great in the summer, and they're just so so good with food that I'd find myself going back to that style over and over again. Yeah. So I know you brew some saisons there because I think I had I think the. Uh... Which one is it? The 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 vacation one is that the, is that a saison like a technically uh, proper villains villains we've had on that's our dry hop saison okay uh, which is that one's definitely a little untraditional we dry hop it with chinook and citrus so it has a little bit of a 
of a Saison IPA mashup uh, kind of going on. Still has the dryness, the, the sort of spiciness, but we get a very tropical sort of a hot profile off those yeast, uh, off those hops, sorry. Yeah. Um, and we also actually right now, we also have uh, Noisy King back on, which is is one that we age on French oak, some more traditional Saison uh, and French oak spires. Okay. I bet that tastes yeah. wonderful. Yeah, it's one of one of my fa- personal favorites. Um, it was actually, it really was the beer that kind of got me to to think more seriously about going professional. Um, I it was one of my couple of homebrew competitions I ever put something into, and I I won a gold and a overall best Belgian oh, great. Uh, great entry with that beer, and uh, that was that was sort of the the light bulb moment that maybe I could do more than just play around with this at home. Sure. What is your least favorite style? I'm not big into overly fruited or spiced styles. In, in Belgian brewing tradition, um, I definitely like some of the sours and fruited sours that have some of that fermented out. But the the more recent trends of adding uh, fruit or puree after fermentation to really have this sort of like sweet adjunct back, I don't know, it, it, it doesn't really come across as beer anymore to me. And it, just, it really just doesn't resonate with me. So what you're saying is that Albion Malibu is not going to have a smoothie sour anytime soon? <laughs> Probably not. Um, it, you know, we we definitely do a couple of kettle sours that we have done some fruit addition with. We do a couple with zest and citrus juice uh, that I'm that I'm really happy with. We, we add that to the fermenter and they're fermented dry. Um, the only ones that we have done in the past, we, we call it our Matt Berry series that we do in the fall. Where I'm actually working on right now. Um, we, we had a base kettle sour that we split up in different ways and we added uh, some fruit addition late, mostly to be able to try it with different fruits and flavors without having to brew completely separate beers. I felt last year that we had kind of dialed that in enough that we kind of knew what we liked uh, the most out of it. So the, the new batch that I did uh, that's that's going on right now actually got split into two different fermenters. And rather than using the cherry extract and, and whatnot, we've actually got whole Michigan cherries this year and we're, we're putting them right nice. into the fermenter. And we're going to do it more as a traditional uh, kettle sour rather than uh, sort of adjunct after the fact kind okay. of thing. And I'll say that I really appreciate breweries that use fresh fruit as opposed to extracts. I think there's a lot of difference in flavor. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's expensive. Um, you're, you're, it's expensive. Uh, you get a lower yield because you lose a lot of beer that right. you can't cover out of that, that mess. And it's just a pain to work with. Every summer we do skin in the game, which is our, our lime juniper kettle sour. And I usually have another person help me and it spends us an entire shift uh, just zesting and juicing limes one at a time by hand. <laughs> Every year I tell myself I'm not going to do it again because uh, I end up with hand cramps and blisters and yeah, and, and uh, it's a huge pain. And then every summer, you know, people are clamoring for it to come back and, uh, it's, it's just too much fun not to, not to do it. I had that one too. And I liked it. <laughs> okay. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the juniper profile, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. That adds a, that is a fun, a fun touch to it. So is there a, any beer out there that you've uh, always wanted to try, but due to distribution or just maybe seasonal nature, you've never had before? I'm not sure. I think the the one nationally that's sort of, you know, a legend at this point is Pliny the Younger by Russian River. That's become fabled. They do a release once a year and people line up for two or three days in advance to get it. I, I'd actually read one article recently that says it brings in something like $3 million into the community every year when they, wow. when they release it, with people traveling in and staying in, in hotels and restaurants and everything else just for that beer. So it's a pretty incredible story. And, and, and I guess I would like to try that at some point just to say that I have. Yeah, same here. Well, I have one uh, last fun question to ask, and it may be an easy one for you. Uh, if you were a beer, what style would you be and why? Oh, it's not an easy one. <laughs> I was kind of chewing <laughs> out a little bit, and uh, it's, it's been hard to answer. 
I'd have to stick in the Belgian realm, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So I, you know, I guess maybe I'd say uh, a Belgian double, you know, because it's it's the style I think is you know it's easy drinking and and relatively approachable, not showy, but also I guess kind of you know complex underneath if you if you spend some time with it and get to know it. I'd like to think uh, some of that describes me. I would agree with that. So I really appreciate okay. you uh, spending some time with me, Ben, talking about yeah, the brewery, what you guys are doing out there at Albion Malleable. I look forward maybe at some point to uh, maybe sitting down and having a pint to the bar with you. Yeah, for sure. Hit me up. I'll raise a glass. I will do that. So thanks again, Ben. All right. Thank you. Last call. It's nearly time to wrap things up, but first, one more for the road. This episode, I'm drinking Victory Wheat from Wellbeing Brewing out of Maryland Heights, Maryland. From the brewer, Wellbeing Victory Wheat is the first non-alcoholic craft beer enriched with a full spectrum of all-natural electrolytes, vitamins, protein, antioxidants, and anti-inflammatories. Brewed with a hint of orange zest, this functional NA beer pairs well with anytime fitness activities, post-recovery workouts, last calls, and hot days to replenish hydration and quench thirst. Our crisp NA wheat is only 85 calories, Offered in 16-ounce cans and brewed with a hint of orange zest. Upgraded with Bowie, a formula of electrolyte supplements developed to meet the hydration standards of the World Health Organization. Well-being Victory Wheat is worthy of the title, World's Healthiest Beer. Without further delay... So as I pour this out into one of my favorite Hefeweizen glasses, it's uh, pouring, it looks like a very nice deep golden color. It's got a thin white head on it, very fine, slightly turbid. Uh, It's definitely got some effervescence coming up from the bottom, so that's always a good thing. First impression as I've poured this out is that it has a nice orange zest on the nose. Very sweet, very citrusy. First sip impressions, Definitely got a more of a citrus forward kind of flavor to it. It feels like it's got a little bit of body to it, but and the, the finish, uh, definitely getting kind of that wheaty uh, kind of finish on the end of it. I like it. But uh, my first impression, um, now that I know that it has uh, electrolytes and some other things that are uh, that are added to it, it's definitely got that kind of, it's definitely got that kind of sports drink maybe texture to it. I think that's what I'm kind of sensing. Is it off-putting? No, I would not say that at all. Again, for for wheat beer, it just has a little bit of a, almost a viscous kind of texture to it. It's definitely very refreshing. Again, I like the profile. It's got a nice citrus zest to it. It's got a, a mild, bitter weedy kind of finishy on it. I'm uh, I'm actually impressed. So uh, so they're calling this a healthy beer. As it said, 85 calories, uh, 16 carbs. As I mentioned last episode, even though beers are non-alcoholic, that doesn't mean that all the carbs are gone. But it also has three grams of protein in it and zero grams of fat. So very fascinating. The label's pretty cool. It's got a uh, a picture of the victory statue. And on the side it says this, it says sport and brew have gone together since the winged victory herself was sculpted in the 2nd century BC. 
To celebrate the magnificence of the eternal competitive flame, we've created well-being victory wheat. So if you attempt, try, challenge, battle through, spar, attack, pursue, vie, practice, clash, contest, or love the fight and leave it all in the field, the victory is for you. Here's to your victory. So compared to some of the other non-alcoholic beers I've had, I like this. As I said, it's got a little bit more body to it, but I like the crisp citrus to it. It's definitely got a great uh, citrusy nose to it. So I guess all in all, if I consider all the things that I kind of throw into the mix here, I would give this beer three and a half tasters out of five on the flight board. Thanks for the victory, well-being. If you've got a beer you'd like me to drink and describe, leave a comment below. If you're a brewer and have one in mind, direct message me on Instagram and let's see what we can do. That's all for this episode of The Five Beer Plan. With so many podcasts out there, thanks for choosing to listen to mine. Join me next time as I talk about fall beer styles, share another hop hack, and talk with Linus DePauli from Trace Gatos Brewing in Wyoming, Michigan. Remember to hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. I'd love to hear from you, so please follow me on Instagram, 5BeerPlan2022, and leave a comment to let me know what your favorite beer subscription service is. Be sure to support your local breweries, choose your beers wisely, and drink them responsibly. Until next time, keep walking your ale trail, and stay thirsty, my friends.